0: Uh, Daniel chapter 7, uh, page 892, Daniel chapter 7. We read this by way of background. Um, our passage tonight in Mark uh, chapter 10 will have a reference to uh, our um will refer to Christ as the Son of Man. Uh, And we will be um, reflecting upon that uh, as we come to look at that verse. And here uh, we want to read this by way of background. uh, Daniel chapter 7, uh, verse 1, page 892 in uh, the Bible that's available uh, for use in church. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying on his bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea, four great beasts. Each different from the others came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground, so that it stood on two feet like a man, and the heart of a man was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, And it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that I looked and there before me was another beast. One that looked like a leopard. And on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads and it was given authority to rule. After that in my vision at night I looked. And there before me was a fourth beast terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one which came up among them and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took a seat. His clothing was white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and his wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and his body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So we turn now to Mark chapter 10 and verse 32, page 1015 uh, in uh, the Bible Supplied. Page 1015, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 32. And we listen out for the phrase "The Son of Man" in this passage uh, as we read it. Jesus and his disciples are the they and others with them, they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again he took the twelve aside, And told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, we can, they answered. Lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. 10 and verse 45. We want to look at this single verse this evening. Mark chapter 10, page 1015 and verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is Jesus' closing statement to his disciples at the end of a bitter argument that they have been embroiled in as to which of them would achieve greatness With Jesus in his kingdom. I find it very encouraging when I read the Gospels. To see how the Gospels portray the twelve warts and all. They weren't uh, a body that always saw things the same way. There were at times tensions between them. Uh, There were even disagreements. Uh, And this has been one of those occasions when their sinful nature, uh, the desire to be great, the desire to be thought important, The desire to have a position uh, of uh, prominence, one over the other. That has all been happening here in the background. And Jesus has been emphasizing to them that greatness is not from the position that we hold or the prominence we have, but greatness in his kingdom is manifested and displayed in the service that we give. Service that denies ourselves. Service that forgoes our own uh, wishes uh, and uh, our own rights even for the sake of others. And nowhere will we find a more powerful illustration of that truth than in Jesus himself. For even, even the Son of Man did not come to be served. He didn't come to be a great and mighty one. Um, And having a position of glory and splendour in this world over others. But he came to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. We want to think about this statement this evening. It tells us three key things about Jesus. First of all, Jesus the Son. It reveals to us Jesus the Son. Our text here calls Jesus by the name the Son of Man. That's how he obviously described himself. Mark will have learned this probably from Peter, who is most likely to have been the apostolic source behind this Gospel. And so, uh, Peter has heard Jesus refer to himself on this occasion as the son of man. And that's how Mark records it. Now when we read or hear the title son of man. What do we think of? We instantly, or at least I do, think of Jesus as a man. He is after all does it not mean the Son of Man? He's human, born to Mary, grew up like any other child, felt hunger, became tired, wept, underwent all the experiences common to all of us with the exception of our sin. The Son of Man. But Son of Man has Another meaning and indeed a much more profound meaning as found in Daniel chapter 7 which we read earlier. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel uh, is the great servant of God in the nation of Babylon. This is when God's people have been taken out the Jews have been taken out of the land of Canaan and they are in bondage in Babylon. And Daniel uh, has been one of them. He is was probably about uh, in his early teens when he was taken there. And he has served one king after another in Babylon. And now in Daniel chapter 7, God gives him a vision. God allows him to see things that are going to happen in the future. And this strange vision that we read of there, uh, which is portrayed in uh, the picture of animals and uh, one attacking the other, it's a picture of the kingdom's. The empires that were going to rise up after Babylon. Uh, The Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire. And it doesn't matter what empire, in what age of the world, there will be corruption in human society and in human government. Which is... um, Something that we need to note even with regard to uh, our own province. And Daniel uh, is seeing this vision and seeing this happening. And then it's as if that is held, that frame is frozen there. And then there's another frame that comes up here. And it's now a picture of what is happening in heaven. And it's a picture of God's throne. And God seated on the throne. And God there in his glory and power and in his majesty. And as Daniel uh, focuses on that picture, he sees one like the Son of Man coming on the clouds, coming into the presence of God. And that son of man is the Lord Jesus. It's Christ. And so the background here to this phrase, son of man, is, goes much, much deeper than the humanity of Jesus. Yes, he was a true, real man. But the son of man, um, in the light of Daniel, is not uh, a human, but a very exalted figure. He is given the kingdom by God. He rules the nations for God. This is Christ at his ascension and entry into heaven. Now keep that background in mind and come forward now to the Gospel of Mark. And Jesus begins his public ministry. How? Remember Daniel talked about, or the, Daniel 7 talks about the kingdom being given to this son of man. And Mark chapter 1 verse 15, here's how Jesus begins his ministry. The kingdom of God is at hand. What Daniel saw all those years ago is now at hand. And not long after that, Jesus would declare, Mark chapter 2, the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. So do you see what Jesus does? At the very outset of his ministry, He says, the son of man and the kingdom are united in me. I am that one who is bringing the kingdom. And I bring it as the son of God. I bring it as one who is divine. I bring it as one who is exalted. And so Jesus Claims to be this figure of Daniel seven, and in the first half of Mark's gospel, and the gospels divided into Mark chapter one verse one to chapter eight verse thirty, the title "Son of Man" is only used twice. But then, uh, from chapter eight verse thirty onwards which is the point at which the disciples recognize Jesus as the Christ as the Messiah from that point on it is used 12 times 12 times and it is used mostly as Jesus instructs his disciples that he would die and rise again the son of man and um, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve. He did not come to be a a mighty earthly king. With lots of people around him. And a great entourage. And great glory. And great earthly wealth. No he came to die. And to rise again. And the references. Let me give you a couple of them. Chapter 8 verse 31 Chapter 9 verse 31. Chapter 10 verse 33. Right through to chapter 14 verse 41. Where he says the hour has come. The son of man has been betrayed. Into the hands uh, of his enemies. So who is Jesus? He is the son of man. He is God. God. Come from heaven. To earth, who has come at the appointment of his Father, who has come to bring the kingdom, and at the heart of that kingdom is, as he declared, the authority to forgive sins. Jesus the Son. Let's think then, secondly, this evening about Jesus the Servant. Jesus the servant. For even the son of man. Did not come to be served. But to serve. The verb here to serve. Means to wait at tables. It's a position of lowliness. It's a position of humility. It's a position that largely goes unnoticed. You go out for a meal and you don't usually come away talking about the waiter or the waitress. You hopefully come away talking about the meal. Hopefully how good the meal was. You see, the waiter or the waitress, they are just to get The thing from one place, the meal from the kitchen to your table. It's a very ordinary, mundane, routine task. And Jesus, this is how He understands His role. Not that of waiting at tables, but that of lowliness. That of humility. This is His identity. The servant, the servant. And again, as is true in all of these things with Jesus, he gained this from the Old Testament. Sometimes I think among Christians we have this thought that when Jesus became um, a boy of five and a teenager of 13, that suddenly God just Sent everything down from heaven and he was zapped and he understood what his role was. That's not how it happened. He read the scriptures. He was a Jew growing up in a Jewish home. And he above all Jewish boys was immersed in the scriptures of the Old Testament. And as he read those scriptures... From the earliest years of understanding. The Holy Spirit of God was revealing to his human nature. Here is your calling. Here is your role. This is you that is being spoken about here. And so when our Savior in his human nature read or heard read Isaiah. Isaiah. And there's four great chapters that talk about the servant. Isaiah 42, Isaiah 49, Isaiah 50 and 53. And the truth began to dawn upon Jesus. When it said, Behold my servant. Wasn't speaking of Isaiah. Wasn't speaking of Israel. It was speaking of Jesus. And so Jesus has this understanding of coming to serve, not to be served, and he's gotten it from the Old Testament. Now think about his three and a half year ministry as recorded in the Gospel. What is its hallmark? Are we not, if we stop and read, uh, if as we read the Scriptures, we stop and think and we read from one passage to another, are we not amazed at how he gave himself day after day, sometimes morning, noon and evening, to multitudes, to individuals, To his disciples. He gave himself to preaching. He gave himself to explaining things to the disciples in private. He gave himself to healing uh, and ministering to individuals. And casting out demons. He gave himself to reaching out to the outcasts. All day. Every day. From the beginning of his public ministry, the Son of Man, this divine being, serves others. Jesus the servant. Now, this is truly remarkable when we keep in mind who Jesus is, He is God. He is the creator of all things. He was involved with the Father in the creation of all things. He's the sustainer of all things. He's the ruler of all things. And the Gospels show him to be one of absolute authority. He is over sickness, over demons, over the wind and over death. He is the Lord of glory. Yet despite that. Even the son of man. Did not come to be served. But to serve. It would be like this evening. The queen of our land. And all her servants around her. Saying no no no. You don't serve me. I will bring you your food I will lay out your clothes I will do everything for you it's it's unthinkable isn't it but that's the kind of that's the kind of parallel or the best kind of parallel that I can think of for here is not the queen of the United Kingdom not um, The king of an earthly kingdom. But the king of all the earth. And what's he doing? He is serving. Serving. The apostle Paul writing to the Philippians. Sums it up this way. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, he's equal with the Father, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of man. He is the servant. And you as our Saviour is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven. He is in a position of glory. Highly exalted. But his role continues to be one of service. Even in heaven. His role continues to be one of service. Because he is The one through whom sinners come. He's the one through whom our prayers are offered. He's the one who is serving his father. Extending the kingdom. He's the one who ever lives to make intercession. He's the one who sympathizes with us in all our needs. Jesus the servant. It's staggering isn't it? That God should reach to such depths and such lowly, humble service for people like you and like me and our fellow men. And that brings us then thirdly to Jesus the sacrifice. Jesus the sacrifice. Because our text takes us to the sacrifice or the service that he made when he came uh, to earth. Did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for the many. What was the ultimate service that Jesus gave? What was the ultimate task and purpose for which he came? He came to give his life. That human life, that sinless life that he lived, the human life that he took in the womb of Mary, that he was given by the Holy Spirit's power. that life that he lived for 33 years, that life that was well-pleasing to the Father, uh, and that other people looked upon and said those who were unbiased and unprejudiced like the Jewish leaders uh, or The Jewish leaders were prejudiced but people who weren't prejudiced like the Roman soldiers and they said and Pilate I find no fault in this man. His life was a faultless life but it was a life that was given. Given. Why would a sinless person have to die the scriptures are very clear it's the sinner that shall die it's the sinner that should die for their sin it's the sinner that should come under the wrath of God why then would God the son uh, and God the servant Jesus die what our text says he gave his life. He gave it. it wasn't taken from him. It wasn't extracted out of it. He wasn't trapped. He gave it willingly and freely a ransom. A ransom. And that's a very important word in that day and in that society. Because. In that day, this was the word ransom that was used uh, for the price paid to buy the freedom of a slave. The price paid to buy the freedom of a slave. Roman society was that kind of system that there were masters and there were servants and you could uh, there were slaves sorry and a slave could have his freedom bought if someone came with the right amount of money they could free a slave and jesus is saying i gave my life a ransom it is to buy freedom From slavery. Not slavery to the Roman masters, but slavery to sin. That wage uh, and to death, the wage that sin pays. He came to ransom sinners from death. From hell. That we deserve. And notice. This phrase. And the next phrase. uh, On behalf of. Or for. The word for. It means in place of. In place of. And on behalf of. In other words, he took the place of sinners before God. This is what he was doing on the cross. This is why there was darkness that surrounded him on the cross. This is why there were those cries from the cross, such as, My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Because his father turned his face away from him. As he was bearing sin. Because God is so pure. He cannot look upon sin. And so as the son hung on the cross. And entered into hell. And took the sins of his people upon himself. He experienced that uh, desolation in his own soul. And he was paying the price for sin. In the place of, in the place of, and on behalf of many, the many. Christ did not die for all men. He died for many sinners. But that many is uh, expanded and expounded out in Scripture in such a way that all are called to repent and all are called to believe. And all are called to come. Doesn't matter what age you are. Whether you're a young child tonight. Or a grown man tonight. Or an old person tonight. You need to know Jesus Christ as the ransom for your sin. You need to be able to say he suffered and died for me. And I know that in him my sins are forgiven. And they are removed from me as far as the east is from the west. I know that in him God has accepted me. He is the sacrifice for my sin. And that offer of salvation is extended by Christ to all. God commands all men, all men, not some, not a few, not many. He calls all men to repent. He calls all to believe. He calls all to be saved. Through Jesus, the sacrifice. What a glorious salvation! This is free. Free. We can't do a single thing to earn it. We don't have to do a single thing to earn it. It is The gift of God. And just as when somebody within your family. Offers you a gift. You reach out and you take it from them. So God offers you forgiveness of your sin. Through the sacrifice of Jesus. And what are you to do? you're to reach out with two hands repentance and faith and you are to receive it and in Christ you will have new life and in Christ you have eternal life and so who is Jesus the son God, the servant who took this position of lowliness and humility which was not, he was not entitled or not um, required to take which in a sense, in a very real sense, was not appropriate for him to take but he came to serve. And he serves by giving his life a ransom on behalf of the many. In the place of the many. Will you tonight, and have you tonight, or will you tonight, um, ensure through repentance and faith, that you can say, I am one of the many. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we feel that we do so little justice to the glory that your son has in his person, in his position in heaven, as the eternal son of God. Help us to exalt him in our thoughts and hearts for who he is. Help us, Lord God, to also recognize him for what he became. The servant. He became what he was not. To do what he did not need to do. But what we needed him to do. For us. In order to know you. And so we thank you for that position. That role that Jesus took. Of the servant. Coming from heaven. Coming from glory. Coming to this earth. Going to the cross with a sinless life and offering it to you in the place and as the substitution for the many. And we thank you that at the end of the cross, at the end he was able to say, it is finished, salvation is finished. It is complete. And we thank you that this salvation. That he accomplished for the many. It is offered to the all. It is offered freely by you. And all are commanded. To come. And to receive Christ. And so we pray this evening. That that would be true of each one of us. That by your grace tonight we would be able to say. I am one of the many. And blessed be the one who comes and who has come in God's name. And has come to save. And who will come again in his glory. We pray that you would work by your spirit. And bless to our hearts your word for your praise and honour and glory forever and ever. Amen.